Uh, not good. Turn to your Bibles today, if you would, to Luke chapter 5. Uh, we're going to start uh, our series, Beautifully Wrecked. Yeah, it started last week with the launch of our book, um, but we're going to start our series, Beautifully Wrecked, today. And, uh, and as we go through this, what we're going to simply do is we're going to take some stories from the Bible, uh, stories that a lot of you probably have read before, heard before, even heard preached before. But what we're going to see is we're going to see this, that uh, it, it was happening way back then, that the book that we put together, how people's lives collided with God's grace and their life has been beautifully wrecked ever since, that, man, every day that we pick up the Bible, we get to read about this stuff. We get to see how Paul, you know, formerly saw on the road to Damascus, right? And he's riding on his donkey. You talk about a collision with God's grace. And he gets knocked off his donkey. And, uh, and man, he gets an encounter with God. Man, what takes place out of that? Two-thirds of the New Testament. There's so many great stories. Well, I want to start with one today, and it's, and it's the calling of the first disciples according to Luke's account. And we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read to verse 11, and we're going to have fun today in church. Amen. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep. And let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But, don't you like the butts of the Bible? Come on, somebody. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had gone and out and done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled the boats so that they began to sink. But Simon Peter saw it and he fell down at, at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me for I'm a, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. Come on, somebody. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left some things. Oh, thank you. They left everything and followed him. Hallelujah. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. God, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that God, you would speak to us, that God, you would encourage us, that Lord, you would challenge us, and we would walk out of this place Lord, eternally changed, being used by your kingdom. Lord, help me preach now, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, amen. Uh, this story really it speaks two things to me as I've been studying it out over the last several weeks. I, I shared snippets of this at our partner in ministry uh, meeting two weeks ago. For those of you that were here, and we talked about the vision for 2012. What is the vision for 2012? Uh, it's simply this, we want to reach the harvest. We want to reach more people. How are we going to do that? I'm going to share a little bit of that with you today. The book is a part of that. Man, we're going to evangelize. We're going to go out, and we're going to see more people reach for Jesus Christ. And so uh, a portion of this story talks about the church, the role of the church, the function of the church, and even how the church uh, should operate and look. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. But then there's another part that we're going to look at, and we're going to look at Simon's life. But first of all, I love the way the story starts out. Because here is Jesus, and he's there preaching, and the Bible says that the crowds are pressing in on him. 
So much so that, that, that he has to go find a place just so he can communicate to all of them. Okay? And so he, he finds a boat, pushes out, and he begins to preach the word. They're pressing in on him. Now notice this. It actually qualifies what they're pressing in on him for. Okay? It says that the crowd is pressing in on him to hear the word of God. Did anybody catch that? That's powerful. The Bible doesn't say that they're pressing in on him because so many miracles are taking place, although that does happen through his life. It it doesn't say that they're pressing in on him uh, to see something really cool. There's not some really cool band on stage. Come on, somebody. Okay? There's no lights. Okay? Uh, There's no comfortable seats. Right? There is just Jesus preaching the word. I love that. You know why? Because I still believe in the power of God's word. I still believe that, that without the lights, without the music, without the soundboard, without the comfy chairs, come on, the word of God is powerful in and of itself. Does anybody believe that today? They were pressing in on him for one thing to hear. And I, man, I've heard, how many of you guys have heard some great preachers in your time? Come on, you do every Sunday. <laughs> you've heard some great preachers in your time, man. You've sat under their ministries. You've, you've been to conferences, and you're just like, wow, man, the way they broke that down and the way they presented that, it was just so good, you know? And, and you love listening. All of a sudden, now you're podcasting it, right? And you're listening to them on the way to work. Okay, that, that was good, but could you imagine the word himself, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, come on now, preaching the word to the people? You think you've heard a good preacher? Man, that must have been some powerful stuff, you know? But here's what I realize also is that as I, as I read through the words of Jesus, it was very simple. But it was so profound and so life-changing that literally crowds would gather and they would press in on him. Listen to me. I still believe the greatest way to change the world is through the word of God. Uh, it's, not, it's not through another great, great worship set. It's not through another great program that the church would start. Come on, it is simply by what? Preaching the word of God. Listen to me. You don't even have to be a part of Coney 2012 to change the world. Are you hearing me? He's not even in Uganda anyway, so. <laughs> what if people with that same passion grabbed a hold of this and said, Jesus, 2012. Come on, somebody. Oh, that bit passed today. I mean, come on. We either, we either believe it or we, or we don't, right? Why, why a book with testimonies? Because the Bible says that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their... Man, it's better than any leadership book you'll read. Because the greatest leadership book is right here. And what's it say? Go into all the world. Right? Make disciples. Okay? We don't need to write another leadership book. We just need to read the best leadership book. The Bible. And there they are and they press in on him. So that he has to go into a boat. Now, I want you to catch something. This was a lake where people fished. There was more than one boat there. There was more than one option. But for whatever reason, which we're going to discover in a minute, he chose Simon's boat. And so he gets into Simon's boat. I I, I picture in my mind the shore just riddled with boats. But he chose that boat. And they push out a little way. And then he turns and he preaches. And here, ladies and gentlemen, we catch the heart of the church. The heart of the church. Jesus in a boat, declaring the word of God. Now, we've talked about this in church before. Anytime you see boat or ark in the Bible, it's a representation, a model of the church. And so here is Jesus in the church. How many think it's a good thing to have his presence in church, right? Here is Jesus in the, in the church, and now he's turned, and he's declaring the word of God to the people. He's preaching the word of God to the people. 
Listen to me, the job of the church, ladies and gentlemen, is to declare what God says, not what I think we should do, not what, what sounds good, not an agenda, not like a, here's our next program, and if you don't get involved, you might go to hell. Anybody been there before, right? Okay. No, our job is to simply proclaim the word of God in, in the truest sense, in the simplest form, and watch it do its work and transform lives better than any counselor can. Are you with me today? That's the word of God. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing. He's in the church, preaching to the people. The people are pressing in to hear the word. The people are pressing in to hear the word. Amen. Amen. All right, good. good. Pressing in to hear the word. And I love the way this story unfolds now. Because he gets done preaching the word. Now, when you come to church and we get done preaching the word, and listen to me, there's a place for this and we'll continue to do it, but we usually have this emotional response time, right? Like if you're that person that's hurting today, come, we'll pray for you. Okay, now granted, there are people in here that are hurting today and we want to pray for you, right? And we want to do that, man, and we want to stir each other up on our most holy faith, and we want to lay hands on the sick, and I, I believe in the power of all of that. But look at what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't stop and say, guys, if you've been through boom, 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 please come up to the shoreline right now, and I will come and lay hands. Look what he does. He gets them preaching the word. Did you catch it? And when he had finished, verse 4, and when he had finished speaking, he immediately turned to Simon and said, hey, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Wow. And this is where we begin to see the first slide. Now, this is powerful to me, ladies and gentlemen, because there's no conversation. I mean, he just said, hey, can I borrow your boat? Sure. He pushes out, preaches the word, and then he immediately turns to him and said, hey, that was an amazing word. Now go and do something. Yeah. You reading the same, same Bible? There isn't like this conversation. Now, how, guys, how did you feel about that? That was pretty good. I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, Jesus could have got some pats on the back. He was probably the most amazing preacher ever, you know? You know, hey, guys, was that good? you like that? Yeah, okay. Now, let's, let's break up into our community groups, and let's discuss it for the next week, and then let's really see how we can apply it. Well... He just looks and says, my word is so good that you just need to stop everything now and you just need to go do something. Yeah. Are you reading the same Bible? It, it wasn't even up for discussion. It was just like, I mean, Jesus had so much confidence in his preaching. Like, man, that was good. Hey, go do something with it. That's some good preaching, right? And, and I mean, now think about it. We read this and we know that Simon becomes a disciple. But listen to me. He wasn't a disciple yet. He hadn't walked with Jesus yet. He ain't seen no great miracles where he's like, okay, master, whatever you say. But the preaching at that moment was so powerful that Jesus just turned and said, hey, Simon, go out and get some fish. Simon's like, we, we've toiled all night. We've caught nothing, but my word, that was some good preaching. I'm going, right? Nevertheless, at your word, I'm gone. What a good choice that was, right? Here, ladies and gentlemen, though, we see not only the role of the church, but we see whom Jesus calls. First disciples. Now, I love, I love Luke's account here, because if you read the other gospels and their accounts, it, it, it doesn't really paint the whole picture. I mean, in their accounts, it's just like, yeah, we were chilling one day, and Jesus came by and said, hey, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And they're like, okay, whoop. 
Now, when you read that, you have to know there was something more to the story, right? I mean, come on, these are fishermen. They don't even know who this guy is. Sure, they've heard about him a little bit, and, and maybe, you know, uh, had some friends had told them about, but they don't really know who Jesus is. And I don't know about you, but not too many people, especially guys, come on, somebody. I mean, women, they'll be like, oh, cute shoes. Okay, let's go, you know? But guys, they're not just like, you know, yeah, dude, I'll follow you. Is anybody with me? No, guys, we want to like, who do you think you are, bro? Follow you? Fishers of men? What are you talking about? We fish for fish. You're a freak show. Right? So you have to know there's more to the story. The other gospels, they're just like, boop. But here Luke paints it out. Why? Why? And why did Jesus call them? The other side of this story now paints this picture. Listen to what Peter says. Peter says, and I know there's going to be some people here today that feel this way. Peter says, we have toiled all night and we have caught nothing. If you look at the word toil, that means exhausted from hard work. In other words, we're exhausted and we're empty. We have nothing. We're tired. Jesus, I mean, we, we've been out there all night. I'm so tired. I mean, this is the time we normally come in. and Plus, we've got nothing. And you want me to go back out there and do nothing again? Now, listen, when Peter started, Simon started his day out that day. He started it out probably like every other day. He's a fisherman. Get the nets. Get the bait. Get the boat. Get the, the people that are helping you. Let's get in. Let's go out. Let's drop the net. Listen to what it says. They worked all day and caught nothing. Is somebody following the story with me today? He's tired. He's exhausted. Now, you've got to know something. When he went out, he did not go out thinking, we're, we're going to catch nothing today, guys. But we're just going to go through the motions and catch nothing. No, every, listen to me. I mean, how many people, yes, maybe some people that are depressed, but how many people wake up and go, man, this is going to be the worst day of my life? <laughs> I, there's depression, and there's, there, there, I know, I understand some people go through some, but not too many people wake up in the morning, slap the alarm, and say, today's going to suck, I'm going to hate it, nothing's going to go right, but today I'm going to yell at my, my wife and kick my dog, and, <laughs> you know, and I'm not going to deal with those weeds, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to be mean to my children, this is the day that I do that, Okay? Nobody sets out the morning of to have a bad day. <laughs> At least most of us don't. Okay. No, what do you do? You wake up. And then that's what's so great about the morning. His mercies are new every morning. His faithlessness all generated. There's something great about waking up in the morning because it's a new day. It's a new start. It's a new chance. All right, and you wake up. And you're like, okay, today is going to be better than yesterday. Today, I'm going to do really good at my job. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to witness to somebody. Man, I'm going to, I'm going to love on my wife. I'm going, to, I'm going to take my children to get 7-Eleven donuts, you know. I'm going to pet the dog, not kick the dog, you know. And you have all these great plans, and, and that's how we start out. But sometimes things don't always go as planned. And you feel like Simon, and you've toiled all day. And you've caught nothing. Well, let, let's break it down and make it a little more practical. Maybe it's not about the day. Maybe it's about your marriage. You've toiled with your marriage, but it's still fruitless. Maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's your career. Now, you've toiled in your career, but, man, nothing's changing. 
I'm, I'm getting nothing. I'm getting nowhere. Maybe it's with your children. Your finances, your relationships. Maybe it's your emotions. I've just been really working hard, and I want to get this anger under control, but I just feel like, man. And then you're angry because you keep getting angry. You can't get your anger under control. Now you're kicking the dog again. You're angry. And you feel the way that Simon probably felt at that moment. Exhausted and empty. And let's just be honest. The last thing you really want to do when you're toiling in your marriage and nothing seems to be working is have someone look at you and just say, hey, work a little harder. It's the last thing you want, right? You want like a remedy that you can just take and be like, okay, things are better. I mean, the last thing you want when you're experiencing problems at work and you've been toiling with it and you've been, is someone to come up and say, you know what? You should just do this. Because your immediate response is like, yeah, you, you, you don't work the job I work. You don't do what I do. You don't know what I go through every day. Right? That's the last thing I want to hear. But Jesus, here he is, exhausted, nets are already cleaned, hanging up to dry. You're chilling in my boat, talking to some people, and you look at me and tell me to go back out and do something. Forget you, Jesus. That's our human nature. Forget you. But there was something so powerful about his message that day. I would have loved to hear what he was saying to the crowd that day. I can't wait to get to heaven and, and, and just stick the DVD in. Come on, somebody. And just what did you say that day where, where Peter just said, okay. Because I, I wish he would let me in because I would preach that message every weekend. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? Like where people are just like, yeah, okay. I want to preach that message. I'm exhausted, Jesus. I've, I've, I've caught nothing. I mean, I'm just feeling depleted. But because you said so, I'm going to go back out. And he goes out. The very next verse, it doesn't even like talk about how far out they paddled other than Jesus said this. He said, go a little deeper. Right? Go, but put out into the deep and let down your nets. Wow. Go a little deeper. Okay, we, and they go, and they get out there, and literally the next verse is like, there's so much fish coming that they had breaking nets, and now they got to call for another boat. That's pretty cool, because remember, a boat represents the church, right? Yeah, we, I mean, could you imagine if we just did the work that Jesus Christ called, and all of a sudden we're growing so much that rather than saying, you know what, we need to start another campus, which campuses are fine. We said, you know what, there's a church across the street that already has a building, and we got so many people coming. You know what? And we started talking about New Vision across the street with Pastor Pete, and we just said, hey, man, we, we, we don't got any seats left, and um, we're not going to start any more locations anytime soon, so here's what you need to do. Pastor Pete's got a great church across the street, New Vision, great church. Just took it over about a year ago, doing great things. I think, man, you should head over there. Wow. Talk about revival in the body of Christ. Is anybody with me? That's revival, man. That's not like, hey, we got to figure out how to make more room for these people because there's no, no other church is good enough like ours for them. <laughs> man. 
Can you imagine? That, that, you talk about revival. You talk about unsaved people like, whoa, they, they're, they're sharing with other churches? I mean, you know, because as a pastor, you're thinking, okay, man, how can we make this work? Man, if those people go over there, the average giving of a person is $20 a weekend. That's 30 people going over there. Good Lord, that's a lot of money a weekend times four weekends. What if we just really believe the scripture that said give, and it'll be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together. And right, you see, as a pastor, I'm really good at preaching that, but sometimes I'm horrible at living it. Right? Because we always like to say, hey, give to the church. And I promise you it'll be given back to you. But one day I was sitting in a service, and I thought to myself, wait a second. I was like, what if we reverse that? What if the pastor said, here, I'm, I'm here to give to you. I, I want to see you blessed, and man, what can I do to help you? Now, what would happen if we really, are you with me today? They called for another boat because the nets were breaking. That's a lot of fish. It's a lot of fish. Now, I want you to catch something here. I want you to notice this. Because when things aren't going right in our life, we come to church and we hear a great message and all of a sudden, we think about all the things we need to change. We got to change this, and we got to change that, and we need to make a change here. Man, we should reallocate this over there, and we should do this thing here and do that. And then, man, then things, I won't be empty anymore, and things will go well. Listen to the story. He looked at Simon, and he said, Simon, I, I, I want you to go back out, and I want you to go into the deep, and I want you to let down your nets. It was the same boat. It was the same fisherman. It was the same net. It was the same lake. It was the same fish they were fishing for, but yet the result was absolutely Absolutely, dramatically, and completely different. See, listen to me. What we want to do is we want to hear a message that is, 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 hey, if you just do this, then great success. Why? Because we like the, the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But Jesus doesn't change anything about the equation other than he speaks life onto it and tells him, hey, just go a little bit deeper. See, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. If you've been toiling in your marriage and you've been working hard and you feel exhausted and empty, you don't need to change spouses. Cross that one off. <laughs> you've been toiling in, 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 in your finances. And you're thinking, man, if I just had another job, this is the fifth time you've said it, if you just had another job. And this is actually the fifth job you've had. The only thing that's the same in the equation is you has nothing to do with the job. I've heard so many people say that, man, if I just had a different job, if I just, had, if I just got a pay raise, you can't manage the money you have now. Why would God give you a pay raise? Well... Man, if I just had a different home, if I just lived in a different, man, if I just had a different pastor. Well, if I, just, I, I should probably go to that other church. If I just change churches, if I just change this. Now listen to me, you don't have to change anything. The only thing you need to go, do is go deeper with what you have. Nothing changed other than Jesus said, go deeper, go deeper, go deeper. See, now let me tell you something. This is a rough message for me to preach as a pastor because there are new people here, people checking us out from another church maybe, people visiting from out of town, and here I am saying, listen to me, you don't need to change, boom, 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 boom. 
You hear what I'm saying? That's a hard message for me to preach. Now, li- now listen to me. People do change churches for legitimate reasons. Okay? But I don't exist. I'm just going to say it. I don't exist. Urban doesn't exist for people to come from other churches and come to. Urban exists for the unsaved person. Urban exists for the person that's far from God. Now listen to me. Do we need Christians and believers that love Jesus to reach them? Yes. Are there legitimate reasons why people need to change churches? Absolutely. Hear my heart on that. But there is never a reason to change your spouse. Come on, somebody. (laughs) You're married. You're married to Jesus. By changing a church doesn't mean you're changing Jesus. Okay? Big difference. We're exhausted. We caught nothing, but nevertheless. And they go out. And I love, I love this part of the story. So much is coming in. What did Jesus do? Jesus touched Simon in the area that he was the weakest and caused it to excel and explode to prove his love, his power, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. Because what does Peter do, or Simon do right away? Falls on his knees. Depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Wow. Jesus touches him in that area, and then he gives him purpose. Now, I want you to go, and I want you to go win people for me. Listen to me, the overflow and the abundance that God does in our life, that's not for us to keep. That's for us to call to our partners in other boats and say, hey, help, here's some for you. He came in exhausted and empty, and he left full and with purpose. Wow. I love the story because, once again, there were so many boats there. Why did he choose that boat? I mean, you can't tell me that everyone fishing that day caught nothing. He chose that specific boat. He chose that specific person because he is coming to seek and save the lost. And he looks out and he sees, that's my man. That's the one I'm going to go after. And he takes the one that is exhausted and empty and depleted and says, this is going to be my first disciple that I call and I'm going to use him. And it was Peter that stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached the word of God and 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom. My word. My word. He started his journey out exhausted and empty. One act of obedience. And he launches out into the deep. And everything changes. Now listen to me. The Bible is far different than a fairy tale. Look at this. These guys didn't follow Jesus for a fairy tale story and a fairy tale ending. Because as you read on and you study out, you realize that every single one of these guys that said yes to Jesus, they ended up martyrs. Other than Judas who hung himself. Wow. Listen, we're, we're not following Jesus because, hey, man, life is just so much chipper when I do. We're following Jesus because in Jesus there's purpose. 
In Jesus, there's a plan. In Jesus, yes, there is great fulfillment. In Jesus, it's the preaching of the word that will win souls to him. I love this story. Calls him, sends him out to be fishers of men. Exhausted, empty, purpose, fulfilled. How'd they do it? Launch out to the deep. 2012 Urban Church, how are we gonna get from exhausted to empty to purpose and fulfilled? We're gonna go deeper. Oh, pastor, it's about time. I've been waiting for some real deep messages on Sunday. That's not what I'm talking about. You're gonna go deeper in prayer. Yeah. Let's make it personal. You don't have to change jobs. You don't have to change spouses. All you got to do is you got to go deeper and begin to pray. Deeper in prayer. Seek God. Seek his face. Call unto him. Go after him. Pray like you've never prayed before. Listen to me, church. If you, can we just do this for eight weeks? And if it doesn't work, you can stop. That's how much I believe in it. If, if, you, if, you, if you're a praying person for five minutes a day, go to ten. If you're a praying person for 15 minutes a day, go to, go to 20, 25. Go a little bit deeper. Stretch yourself. And I'm tired, though, Pastor. I know. But if you're tired enough, you'll go deeper. Go deeper in the Word. Join a community group. Study the Word of God. Study the Bible. For some of you, don't even worry about studying it. Just do this. It'll be like, a, like man, I'm serious, like birds will start chirping. Life will be just different. Wow. Just do that. For some of you, that's deeper in the word of God. And, and, and don't do this. If you haven't been reading, don't be like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start reading like seven chapters a day, and I'm going to memorize all of them. You're going to set yourself up for failure. If you haven't read the Bible yet this year, just do this. I'm going to read one verse a day. I, I was a psychology major. That's the best cheer I got all day. <laughs> I was a psychology major. Um. And in one of my classes, they did this experiment. They had, a, they had a little can right there, and they had a line right here, a line right here, and a line right here. And they gave us three pennies. And they said, um, throw the pennies in there, and for every penny you throw in there from this line, you get a dollar for every penny. From every penny you throw in from this line, you get $2. From every penny you throw in from this line, you get $3 a penny. All of a sudden, people come over, and they're grabbing the pennies. They go to the back line, and they're missing. Someone got smart and just ping, 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 got $3. The only person that got money that day. Then we sat down, and we talked about our experiment. The reason you people chose this one wasn't because you wanted more money. It was because if you threw it from here and missed, you'd feel stupid. 
And so because of fear of failure, you went to this line and you tossed from here. And if anybody said something, you say, yeah, but look how far away I was. I would rather have you read one verse a day than say, I'm going to read the whole Bible in an hour. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not my fault, Pastor. I mean, come on. That's just undoable. I mean... One verse a day. Watch and see what happens in your life. It's time to go deeper in worship. Our worship team gets together on Thursday nights and they practice. I just had a great meeting with them last Thursday. They get together and they're practicing, man, and, and they're, gonna, they're, gonna, they're gonna come together. And man, I'm telling you, this is gonna be a great year for worship. But listen to me, when they're, when they're up here and they're playing and, and listen to me, you don't know how hard it is to play something and sing. I mean, some of you can't even twiddle your thumbs and, like, roll your head at the same time, right? I mean, it's like, can you imagine, like, playing those chords and singing at the same time? That's difficult work. They practice at it. But I'm telling you, there's nothing more discouraging than looking out there and seeing this. Well, what if I got up every day and just opened my Bible and was just like, on one occasion, Jesus is at the lake of Genesaret. Right? And what if we went deeper in worship and someone actually did this? <laughs> you know, you just tried one of these. Pastor, I mean, come on, man. I just want to come to church, and I know. But, I mean, just going into the gym doesn't tone you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I signed up for a gym membership and I sat at the bar and drank a smoothie. Look. It's more like, look. You know. Does nothing for you. Why would that change here? Why would you come to church and just be like, oh, it's in church? No. It's like, oh, man, that feels pretty good. Yeah, I know. You probably got pit stains like me, but it's okay. That's how into this thing I am. This is my workout, right? What if, man, you can, you know, what if you tried one of these, man? Come on, you might work off some of this right here. You know what I'm talking about? Okay? Now watch. Why does the Bible say exercise yourself towards godliness? Because it really is hard work sometimes. And I know that maybe you don't, I don't get the whole raising of the hands thing. I know, me neither. But, man, when I do it, I just feel so good. And, yes, the Bible talks, the Psalms talk about the lifting up of holy hands worshiping in that way. It's, it goes back to the, to, to the wave offering they used to do back in the Old Testament. True story. And then sometimes, man, just this right here, especially if you're on rhythm. If you can't do it on rhythm, just, just do this or something. Tap your foot, do something, but don't just. The people that clap off beat, I love you. I love you. God bless you. You're a sweetheart, but stop it, okay? Just get, you know, and if you, if you honestly you can't do it, just find another way to just, just don't bring a tambourine, all right? Just, <laughs> man, what if, man, when those moments of worship erupted, we just said, God, I love you, and I'm surrendering, and the worship team looks out, and now they're doing stage dives and jumping up, you know? <laughs> what if we went deeper in evangelism? What if we said, you know, and listen to me, this does not replace the Bible ever. 
It doesn't even enhance the Bible. The Bible doesn't need enhancing. But what it is, it's just seven stories from our church that a testimony comes out and impacts somebody's life. And through the whole book, man, we talk about God. Not at the beginning, we just, we, all, we, we suck him in with a great story. But then we introduce Jesus, we introduce church. Okay? But what if we went deeper in evangelism? What if we, what if we, what if we said, you know what, man, if the pastor would preach better, we'd probably have more people. <laughs> and if the worship, what if we said, you know what, if I did my job as a part of the body of Christ, and I said, I am not showing up to church without somebody. What if? What if? What, what could next weekend look like? What could the weekend after? We're starting two services. Easter. Yeah, we're, we're, we're trying it out. <laughs> 9 o'clock and 10.30. That's going to be tough, man. 9 o'clock, 10.30. That means I got an hour and like five minutes. We'll just do one worship song. And <laughs> what if we said, you know what? I'm going to do my part. Maybe you can't sponsor a book a month. Could you buy one book for five bucks today? Read it and then go drop it with somebody. Wow. What if? This is the year of going deeper. You don't need to change. You just need to go deeper. Hear his word. Nevertheless, but by your word, I'm going back out with the same boat, the same net, the same guys, the same lake, the same fish but I'm believing for a different result. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is, is amazing in and of itself. God, we thank you that the Bible is true on every matter of life in which it speaks. God, we thank you that it's the final authority. God, we thank you that your word challenges us, encourages us, equips us, and corrects us. With your eyes closed just for one minute. Listen to me, I do my best to study the word and, and, and to pray and to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. But listen to me, I never come in with a set agenda saying, okay, I got 22 minutes, I've got to nail this thing. Here's my, I, I come in studied, prayed up, I have some stories, some analogies, but listen to me, I want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and what he's speaking. And I hear the Holy Spirit speaking some specific things this morning. Wow. I hear him speaking some specific things this morning. It's time to go deeper, church. It's time to go deeper in, in worship. It's time to go deeper in evangelism. It's time to go deeper in prayer. It's time to go deeper in the word. Listen to me. I, I mean this with all my heart. Life is not that difficult. And if you, if you really do get into the word of God, you realize how simple life really is. You realize how simple your business transactions really are. You realize how simple marriage really is. I was talking with my mom the other night, married 51 years until my dad passed away in 2009. I will celebrate 15 years of marriage this year. And no, I haven't been perfect. And no, I haven't done it the best. But listen to me, never have I looked at my marriage and said, man, marriage is hard. Never once. And some of you might be like, come on, pastor. Come on, well, what you really mean that, and I'll tell you why. Because I had a legacy left for me by a great mom and a great dad. And I would wake up every morning without fail. I'd see my dad sitting in that burnt orange chair with his Bible open, reading the Bible. If he wasn't there, I'd walk in, and there he would be kneeled by the bedside, praying and crying out to God for his kids. And I saw that 
And I don't model it as perfect as he did for my children, but I'm working on it. But listen to me, I mean it with all my heart. Marriage is difficult because humanity is selfish. Relationships are difficult because people have pride. But the way you get rid of selfishness and pride is by getting into the Word of God. And I'm telling you, I, I, I bank my whole life on it. If you would just press in like the crowd to hear the Word of God, to read the Word of God, to let it speak to you, not to overanalyze it and overarticulate and try to figure this. No, just read the Bible. I am telling you, your marriage will be different. Your business will be different. Hallelujah. Life's not that difficult. It's the application of the word that we struggle with. Oh, God, I'm feeling it this morning. I'm feeling it for you. I love you, church. I don't sleep much when my wife is gone. I just can't. It's weird. She's not there, and it's normal to have her there. And so I find myself just laying awake at night. And I told somebody this week, I'm either going to watch a lot of dumb movies or I'm going to do a lot of praying. I prayed. I prayed. I prayed. I'm telling you, this is the year where you leave with purpose and fulfillment. This story was not just a great story for today. I'm telling you, it's our word for 2012.